0: This is Dave Villa and Dave Cribs, and we are Auto Dealer Live, and uh, you're listening to the show where dealers go. And uh, we want to just thank you for taking time out of your busy, busy, busy schedule. And we're honored to have you as our listening audience today, as we discuss how it's hanging. How's it hanging, Dave? You know, man, it's hanging pretty well. It's hanging pretty well. Today is my anniversary, 22 years, baby. Oh, And it's still hanging pretty well. Congratulations. You know what I'm saying?
1: Congratulations. Thank you, brother. Thank you. So how you doing, man? How's, how's it hanging with you? Oh, well, you know, takes me all night to do what I used to do all night, but other than
0: that, I'm, yeah? it's good. That's right. Hey, that's all right, man. It's okay. Listen, you know, I mean, we... <laughs> <laughs> let's just not even go yeah, down that road. Let's just not go down that road, because it's it's it's, I found that it's a rabbit hole that turns into a freaking, like, you know, monstrous cave that has no bottom. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even that in itself doesn't really... Um, you know, here's the deal, man. We're, we're going to be discussing how it's hanging today. We're going to be, um, we've got some of, you know, we're, look, we believe in relationships. We believe in, um, you know, we love uh, guests in general. And we have individuals on all the time, you know, being a show that really honestly has um, um, hopefully inspired you. It inspires me. And uh, and when I listen back, it inspires me, and not because of us. I mean, sometimes I get tired of hearing you and I, but you know what? I love, and I never get tired of hearing the guests that we have on the show. And uh, today is is really like is 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 really no different than normal. We have outstanding guest. You know, it's an intriguing title. How's it hanging? You know. So um, it was designed to be intriguing, obviously, and then we have the spinners edition, and it remains intriguing. But what are we talking about today? We're talking about hanging paper. We're talking about F and I. We're talking about subprime. We're talking about making money on the back end, and we're talking about the auto business.
1: Yeah, and once you get past all the innuendos, and it's fun to you know goof around with all that stuff. Once you get past that, I mean, this is a hot topic that that we, you know we don't often get a chance to dive into the way that we will today. And, you know, I think uh, one of the cool things about the program for me is, you know, for dealers to have the opportunity to tune in it each week and hear some of the best practices around the country <clears throat> from some of the most successful dealers and not just a, at one position, but every mm-hmm. position within the dealership. Every position. Every position. I mean, you know, we listen, have got when, to. We, You can't
0: discuss how it's hanging <laughs> without really honestly looking at every position that's really available. I mean, because the bottom line is, I mean, wh- look, whether it's the back end, whether it's the front end, you know, whether it's coming down, you know, from top down or bottom up. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, when you discuss how it's hanging at a dealership, you really want to know whether you're in the box, whether you're not, you know. I mean, and here's the deal, man. You want to absolutely look at it from the perspective of what's going to work best and most effective for my dealership. And we're talking to spinners today. We're talking to people who hang paper. We're talking to people who are in the box, who make it happen every single day. And they're, listen, they're not, listen, F&I doesn't cut it. And if you're listening, no offense, but the bottom line is hopefully you're listening to today's show because either you're in the F&I position, you're in the automotive, obviously, position. Maybe you have an F&I manager. Maybe you have subprime department. Maybe you're thinking about creating one. And the bottom line is this can help you dealers. This can help you increase your gross, increase your profit. And so that's our goal today. We want to make sure that we help you guys increase your back end when it comes to the finance department. And we're excited to talk to, in my opinion, uh, some of the nation's best.
1: Yeah, some of the leaders. I mean, we're talking about award-winning finance managers. We're also going to be talking to um, not only a young lady that has a huge history in the car business, successfully in the F and I office, but also is now employed by Equifax. So we're going to get to kind of see the other side of the fence with Equifax.
0: Yeah, and you know, and, and sometimes we hear this, and and I, and I want to kind of kind of address the elephant. Before it comes into the room, you, sometimes we hear, oh, you know what, they're vendors and, you know, uh, what are they supposed to say? Well, I want to let you know it, it's, it's something when you're in the business and you're making it happen. And, you know, but I tell you, when you when you sell dealerships, when you're absolutely so good at it that you can actually get on the other side and literally impact hundreds and even thousands of dealerships with your skill then to me, that, that's even taking it to another level. It's not for everyone, but we have some on the show, and we have another uh, young lady on the show that literally has done it so well you know, in the box at that position that she's now training dealerships, one of the top F&I trainers in the United States right now in the auto business, and we have her on as well
1: yeah that's going to be huge and and you know uh, today, I think we're going
0: to talk a little bit
1: also about the subprime market and the mm-hmm. fact that you know it's back not only is it back but it's back in full swing yeah I, I mean you know it disappeared for a little while practically. Yep. when we had the big crash, but now it's back and it's booming. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but you know, it's seventy percent of the marketplace, seventy yep. percent of the consumers have a subprime score. So yeah, and how if can
0: we miss it? Absolutely. And listen, dealers, you you know, this is not going to just be about subprime. Even though you know, you're going to find that a lot of times the good, the great are going to are, are going to lean that direction. And here and here's why, um, it, it, because there's a lot of there's a lot of growth in this. And again, I want to emphasize, man, look, profit's not a bad word; it's a great word. We're not talking about knocking people's heads off, you know, and taking advantage of unfortunate people. We're talking about people that otherwise could not buy a vehicle that are grateful. We we have a division here that deals with dealers, secondary departments all over the nation in over 17 or 18 states. We receive emails on a consistent basis, Dave, from customers of our clients that, that look at us as the dealership because of the BDC and internet department that we offer. And they say, thank you so much for the vehicle I never thought that i 'd be able to drive a car again, and I am so grateful to have you know to have run across this offer, so I want to tell you that you 're going to hear a lot about that, but if you 're out there, dealers and you like Crib said you know and you 're thinking about either starting a subprime division or why should I well, because seventy percent plus of United States of America has credit issues, and when we talk about the subprime business, I like to look at it more like the credit recovery market and let me explain to you why it's it 's not It's not the subprime roach or credit criminal necessarily of yesterday. These are not people that make a profession out of not paying their bills. These are individuals that literally um, take it, uh, you know, take it. 100. These are individuals that four years ago would have been your customers. They would have been your customers. They wouldn't have responded to an offer of credit because they could have gone to their local credit union or they could have gone to Bank of America and they could have secured their own financing. They could have maybe had a 700 plus beacon score. But today, because of the situation the nation went through, maybe they had a housing problem, you know, and and, and these individuals are in a position where they're driving the same vehicle that they've been driving for years because they don't want to be embarrassed and be turned down because of the inability to finance a vehicle. So it's a huge market that, if it's done right, is not taking advantage of somebody, but it's helping them move. And let me tell you one last thing, Dave, and, and you know, we got a couple of minutes, maybe three or four minutes, before we bring the panel on. But one other thing, too, they're loyal, the most loyal individuals that you'll ever find. Because when you help somebody out of this situation and out of this jam, what you're going to find is you're going to find an individual that not only comes back to you for life, but they tell every single person they know about you and about what you did to help them. And I'm going to tell you something. That, it cannot be replaced.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're literally sometimes changing the quality of someone's life, someone who's in this position, and not necessarily through fault of their own. Like you said, I mean, America mm-hmm. was impacted by, by what took place during the recession. And some people got up and started to go to work, and work was no longer there. Yeah, And and that person, it wasn't doesn't mean they're a bad person, but— mm-hmm. You know, hey, what are you going to do when there's no water
0: to drink? You can't you can't have yeah. a drink, right? You dig a so. hole, <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, so. and you know, and, and so and, and so I want you to understand that that's what we're going to be talking about today, and who we're going to be talking to. So you know what? It's it's really something for everyone. So if you're somebody who hey, thinking about starting a division or increasing or finding out how you can increase your back end profits in a dealership, this is for you. If you're somebody who has a secondary department, maybe you're doing well, maybe you think you're doing well, maybe it's time to find out how you can increase and add to that, and really and and you know, be somebody that owns the market in your in your PMA with. With that type of, of of you know of genre, so to speak, and you know what, if you're in if you're in the dealership business at all, and you're in and you're not happy possibly with the back end profit, you know of of your dealership, maybe you know maybe you're happy with the front end, maybe maybe you have a really good process in place, but you know what, it's just kind of eh, so so in the back end. Well, guess what? How's it hanging? How's it hanging? Right. Today's an opportunity. Today's an opportunity to hear
1: literally from the best in the business, mm-hmm. and I think that's what dealers are going to be interested in today is how do
0: we increase that that back-end margin. Yeah, and my wife, by the way, texted me. It's our anniversary, and she told me to tell you that it's hanging pretty good. <laughs> she did. <laughs> she did not. <laughs> but <laughs> but she did text me, and now no she's going to text me again, so my text <laughs> is going to go off in a minute and say, Babe, why did you say that? But There was... There was th- There was such a part of me wondering whether she actually said that or not. (laughs) She did. She did. That's what she was thinking. Right. Okay. (laughs) All righty. It's not awkward for me. You know what? It's not awkward (laughs) for me. So, uh, what do you think, man? You ready to bring. Are we ready, Mike? I'm ready. Are we? We do have everybody on the show. Everybody's on. All right. So, without further ado, we're going to be bringing on our panel. This is the How's It Hanging Spinners Edition. Uh, We we would field your questions. If you have questions, listen, call us. You know what? It's been like a month, and they tell me all the time, they threaten me, um, hey, listen, uh go, to, uh go on Twitter, follow us at uh, AutoDealerLive. Use the hashtag AutoDealerLive. We actually have swag packs today. They were given away for our tweeter leader. Um, you know, we, we're all, I'm sorry. We apologize. We don't always announce this. But if you're on Twitter, the person who, who basically has the most influence is going to win um, all kinds of cool stuff. We have T-shirts. We have posters. We have bracelets. We have books. We have all types of things we're going to give out on the show today. Uh, you get it if you win it. Um, it's over at 530, the uh, contest it started an hour ago. Um, so it's not too late. Make sure you get on. Include the hashtag live And uh, call in if you have questions. We'll try to get you on the air. 813-574-1820. Um, Dave, the next up. The next up. Is how's it hanging? And crew. And this is the great American automotive panel brought to you
1: by Jeff Cowen's Pro Talk, the leader in service and sales training.
0: Absolutely. We have Rebecca Chernick. She is the founder. Uh, first of all, she's an auto, auto industry expert. She's the founder of Chernick Consulting, founded in 2001. Um, in my opinion, uh, from what I have seen and studied and heard and, and, and witnessed, she is uh, one of the foremost leaders in the uh, F&I training in the United States in auto. We have Jen Reed, no stranger to the show. She's a contributor to Dealers Solutions magazine on a regular basis. She's a senior director for Equifax Auto. Equifax did a really smart thing and they brought on car people. Oh, yeah. And uh, then we also have Justin Gasman. I know I'm not familiar with Justin, but Justin's somebody that you said you spoke highly of. Oh, yeah,
1: man. Justin Gasman is an award winning finance director at McCadden
0: Cadillac Buick GMC in Boulder, Colorado. Can't wait to hear from him. And then we have the one and only, he is the director uh, of Credit Ladder. He's 25 years in the business. He's the only mug that you get to look at today. So, I mean, it's like a close up too. Look at him. Peace out there. We have the one and only Paul Lundy, and Paul is uh, fresh off the blacktop out of the out of the box for 20. He spent 25 years in the box. Woo. I mean, that's why he has no tan whatsoever. <laughs> and he is on the show, and he is visually uh, uh, visually present. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for being on the show today. How are you all doing? How's it hanging?
2: <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good
0: all right rebecca and jen and justin you guys there as well
3: we are here doing fantastic. Great to be back. Yep.
0: awesome awesome guys I'm gonna and i've her. got a little i've
3: got a little fact for everybody rebecca chernick was actually my first fmi trainer so i can speak and text
0: you how great she is wow man let me tell you oh, something thank you Jen. that's awesome well that's <laughs> that, that that even gives me that i have more admiration for her now so that that is uh that's amazing so Um, Guys, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. I know, I know Rebecca's in Tennessee. She's actually at a dealership right now, so she literally is taking a few minutes out of her time to join us. So we're so grateful for that. All of you guys obviously are working today. We want to thank you for joining us, Dave. Why don't you jump right in? Let's get right into the panel. Yeah, absolutely.
1: uh, We have a lot of questions today. uh, Dealers from around the country have posed, and you know, the first thing that 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 or the first question I would ask, I'm going to direct this to Rebecca. And, uh, Rebecca, dealers want to know, when it comes to early finance TOs, how relevant are they? Are they a thing of the past, or are they more important than ever? Maybe you can talk for a moment about the early touch of the finance manager.
3: Well, you know, I I totally, I absolutely agree that we need to do a better job engaging with that customer sooner in the game. And that means also on that dealership website, making sure that we're engaging with that customer via customer. answering their questions as pertains to financing, the terms that they may be interested in, and especially if they have any concerns with regard to any of their credit. Obviously, we want to address that sooner sooner in the deal rather than later. And many times, I've always recommended that our F&I people are up at the desk with that desk manager, that two heads are always better than one. But definitely earlier on in the game, getting involved with that customer, scrubbing that deal, finding out you know, the reasons of how to go ahead and obtain a better uh, bank approval, get the story, get the story, get the story, because that story absolutely matters and in the overall scheme of things. So earlier on, and, and, and again, if we find that perhaps maybe we're on the wrong car, maybe this is a good time to go ahead and maybe do a switch if we can, uh, certainly we're here to go ahead and sell cars and maximize profits, and at the end game, you know, make sure that the customer can budget for for the terms that would be available to them, um, and meet with a happy customer when it's all said and done. So, yep, there
4: yeah.
1: you are. <laughs> Very good, great. When well, you know that kind of leads into the next question, and I'll I'll kind of direct this to Justin. Is that uh, Justin? I, you know, knowing your lender's programs is is so important right now, especially at bigger dealerships that have multiple lending sources. So, you know, how important is it for the finance manager to know that maybe some tips on how to keep up with those because they change so rapidly and also how much of that responsibility is the desk versus the finance office and and maybe elaborate on that a little bit
5: yeah you bet and thanks for having me on today I'm I'm real pleased to be here with you guys it's really important to know the programs because you're the funnel in the dealership and that's where all the deals go through and if you don't know where you're gonna take every deal You're going to waste a lot of time, you know, shotgunning deals out to different lenders. You have to know the lender's program, know what kind of advance they're going to do, know what kind of rates you can expect, what kind of back end they're going to allow, how lenient they're going to be on stipulations and verifications, those types of things. And really, it's the finance director and the manager's job to know those programs. But I think it's imperative that the desk is involved to some degree, because in some stores, unfortunately, you have sales managers who have never been in F&I, which I don't quite understand how that works, but they don't always know how to structure a deal. They don't know where it's gonna go. And so it's the F&I manager's job to train the sales managers. This is how we're gonna structure it. When you see this, this is what you need to be thinking. This is how you need to pencil it so that it's desk for success because at the end of the day, F&I is a function of the desk. And if you work together as a team, that's how you're gonna maximize the deal.
0: Yeah, and you know, let me let me kind of uh, shift gears here slightly. I want to go to Paul on this, and then Jen, um, have you comment uh, after Paul's answer? I was talking to a this is deville I was talking to a dealer, Paul, um, a client a client of mine, uh, a couple days ago on the way into the office, and uh, he just shifted from one large group in uh, out of state to Florida group here, and we were talking. And, uh, you know, he was, you know, this guy's, this guy's strong, right? I mean, he's, he's aggressive. So I want to kind of, I want to kind of shift and say, and I want you to help me understand why such the apprehension when it comes to secondary finance in, in today's market, why some dealers are apprehensive. He went to this huge group. And you know he has an opportunity to get involved in multi points, and telling me this is this is kind of paraphrasing it, Dave. Hey, listen, you know what? These stores are netting about twelve million a year, which sounds great. There's multiple stores, he said, but they should be doing about four or five million per store, which would make it about twenty you know ba- more th- versus 12 so it almost double their their net deal and he said you know one of the things i realized after getting here is they're so they you know they they they're taking these net losers and so forth on the front end but he said i have managed to hang some deals with gross just by taking the time and in, in, in building the relationship or using the relationships that i have with banks that they currently aren't even utilizing and of course he's talking about subprime you know sure. why why and this is a major group why are these guys not doing this? I mean, when you have eight million to ten million dollars annually, that literally this person is saying can be you know added. Why the apprehension? What what's the deal?
2: I, I honestly think it has something to do with um, the dealers themselves being afraid of something that maybe happened to them in the past. Maybe they had a subprime department. Maybe they they worked in that uh, in that field at some point and got burned. Uh, it could be something that has to do with. Um, getting deals funded, which was always kind of a, is always an issue with subprime deals. Um, Getting funded, getting paid is is probably the most important thing. Sometimes it isn't really the approval that's most important. It's about being able to get paid on that approval. So I think a lot of uh, dealers out there that are shying away from subprime might be doing so simply because uh, they're worried about getting their money in the long run. And, and that's, that's something that can be avoided completely by having the right people in your finance department who, again, know the programs, uh, who are close with the banks, uh, and who know what steps they might need or might not need, and uh, to be able to get around whatever situation is going to pop up so that they can get paid on those deals.
0: Well, Jen, what do you think about that? I mean, do you agree you have something to add to that?
3: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, I think there's an element, too, quite frankly, of, um, you know, the world's gotten easier from a technology perspective to be able to send these deals over the bank, and you get that instant approval, or you get those quick callbacks. It's actually kind of, I think, hurt us from a perspective of actually forcing us to look at those deals um, and to pick those banks. I mean, think back to the days of faxing those applications over, right? You work in a faxing the 25 banks. So I think there's an element of a behavior that's been shifted in the F&I department, but I also do think, quite frankly, it comes back to training as well. You know, I can to empathize with a lot of um, F&I managers that you get into that box. There's not a whole lot of programs out there that are actually teaching you to sit down, look at the credit, do the interviews, um, and really start to hang that paper and how to have those in-depth discussions. So you really have to proactively go out and do it and work with your rep. Um, and see the value in that, because otherwise, it's just too easy to get in
0: there and get sort of click-click happy in the system. I mean, Rebecca, do you do you find? I mean, you're you're obviously training dealerships on a, on a regular basis, and so you interview the dealer principal, and you want to find out. I'm assuming you know through an interview process what they're looking to do, what their goals and objectives are. But I mean, is it something? piggybacking on what Paul and Jen are saying, is that something, Rebecca, that you would encourage them to do? I mean, and you may have a, a more updated statistic, but what Cribs and I have found through some research this week is about 70%, Jen, you probably would be a little more up on this, of Americans, if, if, if we're close, have credit issues of some sort. So, I mean, it's it's not it's not only like, you're like, hey, it can bring you some extra money, it's like this is your business, you know? And if you're in some metro areas, it could be higher than that. So is this a direction Rebecca, that, you know, you you as a trainer would try to take a dealership and recommend they go?
3: Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, we want to go ahead and get a, as much, it's it's a, it's a competitive world out there, so we really want to maximize every potential opportunity that we get, and including making sure that we're retaining that, that customer and building better business, as you mentioned earlier. I work with a dealer right now who, I, I just, wanted to share this with you. He has a 92% retention uh, return customer ratio wow. through Ford. And, and and the reason why is because he's done a really darn good job in cultivating that business as well as that customer who is either has a non-prime subprime score and was able to ma- uh, master that and structure the sale and that sort of thing and build that, that customer base because of it. But I also believe that the reason why we might have uh, dealers had refrained from doing some subprime, and I think, ever, I think everybody hit the nail on that, but I also believe it's also culture-driven and that we have sales and and, and that sort of thing who, who have been doing business a certain way for so long, and we have an ethnic person baby back there who has been doing business a certain way for so long, and you can't train them how to do, or they just don't understand the opportunity with non-prime subprime business. So therefore, salespeople pretty much get the fact that their F&I person isn't going to work, or they're not going to get as passionate about that 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 subprime uh, deal. So therefore, that deal gets sent someplace else. And let me tell you something: salespeople will broom customers if they think it's going to be, you know, not worth their time to go ahead and work on that customer because <laughs> they have nonprime or subprime credit, and that that F&I person won't do their end of the bargain and work real hard to go ahead and get that deal bought. So it is a team effort. A uh, team effort. Uh, to to um, you know maximize profitability as pertain, and sales as it pertains to subprime. So
4: excellent culture. Cultural.
3: Yeah. yeah. Good point. So we need to get past we need to to that point, I mean as an industry, get past this whole label of subprime. I and mean, when you start talking about thin files, you know, first time customers, I mean they may not be a traditional program, um, but it's a consumer and we've got to get over that, hey, they're just a score. You know, when I see somebody with a low score, I've got to start treating them customer and not looking at the score. I mean and understanding that situation um, and the great part is, is when you have customers that are coming in um, that have had some challenges they need something from you they need your help and it's a great value story that you can bring so you know culturally we've you know to Becky's point we've got to get packed um, back to you know focusing on the consumer and putting them at the center of all the transactions
0: great point
1: yeah. Hey, and Jeff, you know, um, I know that you're an award-winning finance director. Well, first of all, what does it take to be an award-winning finance uh, manager? And maybe, maybe share some tips with F and I managers that would help them increase their penetration.
5: Well, you know, I, I did win the F and I at the industry summit for 2014, and it was for my best overall presentation for. Uh, what was the Ally Smart Lease Protect product? And there were a lot of really good business managers in the country that entered. Um, you know, I, I gave it my best shot. But one thing I try to do every day is I get up with a positive attitude, and if I don't, I change it by the time I get to work. I listen to Grant Cardone and Joe Verdi and Jim Ziegler, and I have all these tapes, and I try to get myself pumped up and get my brain dialed in to come to work to work and be productive. But at the end of the day we're salespeople too. We're managers, we're directors, we're whatever you want to call it. But we're all commissioned salespeople. And I mm-hmm. think sometimes people forget that. And, yeah, it's tough to get cash deals, and it's tough to have 850 credit score people right. coming in that are rocket scientists that want to put half down and they want to go <laughs> 0.9 and want to know if they can pay it off <laughs> in 12 months without a prepayment penalty. Mm-hmm. I've been there. I live it and breathe it every day. But I also get 492s that have two pieces of credit and uh, and a recent charge off and I work just as hard on the tough deals as I could do on the auto approvals because it's my job and if I don't lead by example and if I don't take fit every deal and push it as hard as I can then the salespeople get discouraged right. and they don't want to bring a deal in because as it was just said right. if they feel like it's gonna take them forever and there may not be a mm-hmm. commission they're going to just kick them out or let them slip out or say, yeah, they couldn't get their POI. You've got to get involved, get in the trenches. I have the salespeople sit in my office nice. with me while I'm on the phone with the banks. And I got an auto turn down last week from Chase. And we called, and they did the deal, and they did it at like 12%, 13%. It was, a, it was a gift. It was a miracle. And the customer was happy and was thankful. And that's how you build a relationship. Well, mm-hmm.
0: first first of all, i got to say, did I hear you right, F and Idol? Did you say? I F-
5: did. I won the F and Idol. For that is it. I, 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 I'll that's be cool, honest isn't? with you, man. I,
0: that's that's the coolest name I've ever heard. That's awesome. F and Idol. It's I mean, cool. Number it, one.
5: It came with a huge trophy too.
0: It's unbelievable. <laughs> that's awesome, <laughs> man. Congratulations on that, bro. That's huge. Thank you. And and, and uh, well, let me ask you this, Jen, and then. I'm gonna let you guys weigh in, Paul, Jeff, you know, uh, uh, Rebecca, but Jen, starting with you. One of the things I heard from a dealer out of Texas today, we were on Periscope and we were kind of doing some pre-show questions, and I asked, you know, we had about, you know, maybe 60, 50, 60 people on Periscope for a couple of minutes, and and some of the questions that were coming through from dealers regarding today's show were, uh, I said, I asked the same thing. I said, guys, why? Why are dealers apprehensive? You know. To, to move into this, and one of the things that came up are were compliance issues. And Jen, I don't know anyone on the panel probably better to to at least start that, uh, being where you're at now, and and that's a big deal. And and so is 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 fear, you know, is is fear of getting your butt suit off, <laughs> you know, being compliant. I mean, is this holding dealers back possibly from going after the lion's share of what's available out there in uh, in this credit recovery market?
3: So interestingly. Um that, that actually comes up quite a bit. Um, and quite frankly, um, the risk is there regardless. So, good credit, bad credit, any type of credit, it's there.
4: Right. Um,
3: I think the key piece is when you put the consumer and the consumer's needs, like if you look at the root of a lot of the regulatory things that are happening, you look at what's talking about in Washington, mm-hmm. they're demanding from the industry that we take care of the consumer and we do the right thing. Right. So, if we culturally instill in our industry, that focal point, we're going to do the right thing for the consumer, we're going to help meet their needs, get them in the right vehicle, and the right vehicle doesn't necessarily mean the nice big wheels and the big car, right? It's the, it's the right vehicle for their situation and their budget. Honestly, I think you're mitigating a lot of the risk. Now, there is an element that you have to be wise and understand what's going on from a compliance perspective, and that's why process is really kind of critical today. Um, but really, everything we're talking about here from a best practice perspective actually likely is going to help you when you're dealing with compliance and regulatory um, sort of pressure versus, you know, running away or potentially mistreating a customer, putting them in the wrong vehicle. Um, Really, that's where you get those trigger points. And if you look at from the industry perspective where those sort of triggers to the regulators or the AG's offices are coming from, they're coming from customer complaints. So by taking care of the customer and avoiding customers being unhappy and complaining, you're really actually helping yourselves um, quite a bit. So um, I can't stress enough: you know, put the customer first, um, get educated, and focus on how to do those deals the right way. Work with the lenders, understand what's happening, um, and it'll it'll help them mitigate a lot of those things. And obviously, you got to have those processes in place. So,
0: Cribs, I know you got a question, but can I can us through no, one go thing, right to Rebecca, and, real quick before because I. I I want to I want to shift it and in, in, in that way we can kind of go this direction too Rebecca maybe this can be for you and, and Paul I mean any of you guys really but and I know this could be a loaded question that's why I'm addressing it to Rebecca because you're you're in dealerships of all sizes and multi dealerships you have Paul and and Jeff that are I'm assuming are you know are stationary to you know at, at one place and and so uh, it's all relative to size Rebecca but I mean let's talk about money let's talk about gross let's talk okay dealer principals are listening right now. And so they're going, hey, what can this do to my bottom line? And I know that ranges depending on the the areas, at rural, at metro, you know, what type of, you know, how many cars should they be selling and what's the market, you know, yield. But let's say. They're in a store that could be, you know, that's maybe underperforming. They're doing a, you know, a buck twenty-five. They're in a market where realistically they could be doing a buck seventy-five, two hundred. You know, and and that's not far-fetched. How much money if they if they can build their finance, their F and I right? If they can do this, they can go after this credit recovery market. They can really do things in a different way. How much money? What are they talking about increasing their dealership back-end profits? What can this dealership look to do, Rebecca? Because I think that's what's going to really get their ears perked up, saying, hey, you know what? Are you kidding me? I can make that much money. Can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I have worked with several dealers, in fact, and we started from nothing. We started with dealers who are making $500 per car, and then to me, that's like below, below average. And working with and addressing some more of this non prime, subprime customer base and structuring these deals better and engaging sooner in the in the deal mm-hmm. we're looking to double that if not triple mm-hmm. that performance I have I've taken stores from $500 a car and and again this is good business this isn't bad business I'm not chasing bad business here we're looking at good business and we're and we're talking about good sound uh, processes that support good business behaviors mm-hmm. however we can triple that business and and we look at church backs as well this isn't something that just sits on the books for a month. And then the dealer is dealing with a, either a headache or, or a major chargeback of excessive over 12%. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for that. But we are looking to triple that and in, in, increase uh, their performance, and not necessarily all reserve either. It is, also can be uh, driven through product sales and, and that sort of thing as well as it should be. So it's a healthy book of business that we're talking about here. But it all starts with engaging with that customer sooner in the process. We're making sure that we're structuring that that sale earlier on so that way we're not trying to maximi- uh, maximize the sale without doing our homework first. And many times some deal, and then because it's not structured from the beginning, it becomes a headache for the f and person and everybody right. else involved, and we strip out all profit and, and that sort of thing. So that's not what we, what we want to do. But if we do it right and we put our guidelines in and, and our processes in, we can certainly I've seen dealers do a terrific job in maximizing that income.
0: Well, that's that's a terrific margin. That's a terrific growth.
1: Yeah, and yeah, it is. Yeah, and, <clears throat> and, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask uh, Paul, and then I'll ask Jeff to follow up on this question as well. But uh, Paul, what about the dealers? Maybe maybe it's not a huge dealer with tons of uh, you know resources for lenders. How does a smaller dealer, say a dealer that's doing 50 cars a month or 80 cars a month that can potentially do more but hasn't really gotten into the subprime market, any advice on finding the right lenders to partner with? I mean, where do they really start or begin? Do you have any ideas there for us?
2: Well, I think... you're, you're going to be talking about uh, if they don't already have access to some of these banks that do near prime, subprime, which some of them probably do, and they may not even think of them in that light. Um, I mean, You're talking about banks like Capital One or Wells Fargo or, or places like that to kind of get your feet wet, so to speak, in, in that type of market, and um, and then go from there and find out what your tolerance is for, for, for banks that are going to buy paper that are, are lower and lower scores. Um, and, until you find your your, your comfort level, of where you want to be. But um, I would say most of these dealerships probably already have access and just don't use those banks. Probably haven't been in contact with them for a while, or maybe haven't even seen their rep for a while, and are unfamiliar with the the products that they offer and are unfamiliar with uh, with their programs. Quite frankly, so uh, I would say start looking and, and see who you have signed up already before you do anything else, and then move forward from there.
1: Yeah, and Jeff. Jeff, are you with us?
5: Oh, yep, there we are. Hey, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's, uh, what Rebecca was saying is so true, and what he just said is so true that you know a lot of dealers probably have dealer agreements, and maybe they just need to revamp them. Uh, Maybe they've uh, just dissolved them. I don't know, but you can get on dealer track or route one. There's hundreds of different lenders, credit unions, banks, captives, whatever you want to whatever you want to look at and you just have to find the right lender for what you're trying to do and we've done that here and i'm in boulder colorado which i think has more phd's per capita than any other county in the country i'm dealing with ultra prime um... where where i'm splitting hairs with somebody at one point six or one point seven percent um... so we've tried to dabble in that that subprime market and we've signed up with some different lenders and we're putting deals together that this store in fifty eight years never would have put together because this town has a you know has a label that it's not a subprime town because everybody's got good credit and it's very affluent but the reality is there's a lot of people that were affluent and then 2007 2008 hit and these are good people and they the whole thing imploded and they're just trying to rebuild and they need a car and they might be ashamed or embarrassed and so they don't think you're going to be able to, to help them but if you're not marketing to it and you're not signed up with the right banks and you're not working the deals smart from the beginning you're leaving money on the table, and they're going to go right down the street, and they're going to get a loan from another dealer, another bank, and they're going to capture the business, and it's in your store. You just have to know what to do with it.
1: Great great answer. You know, Rebecca, I'm going to direct uh, the next question to you. You know, you mentioned earlier, right when we started, you know, you talked about the fact that we need to put more information on our sites when it comes to what we can do for a customer in finance, uh, in the finance area. And I know a lot of dealers are probably reluctant to go too far down that road because it's like the, the only thing we have left to cling on to, right, is some of that information. So, um, you know, how do we handle incoming leads and incoming applications and things like that? What are some of the best practices with those leads coming through the Internet when it comes to those? Uh, the lead, the- Lead hot potato. Lead hot potato. And this yeah. question.
0: This question comes in from a dealer in Portland, Oregon, uh, through Twitter yep. just now. So,
3: okay. Well, first, first of all, I'm, I'm working with very progressive dealers who really have. They understand that the they, the customer shops online first things first, and as well as dealer track has already pointed out, on the average, customers are shopping on dealer websites for about eight minutes. Um, checking on financing terms and that sort of thing. So that to me would be a perfect opportunity to make sure that I'm addressing any any questions that customer has and engaging with that customer. So there's other tools out there to be able to do that with. And such of the minorities really uh, appreciate the ability to text uh, and 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 perhaps engage that way with a the customer. There's a a, a resource called zipwip which I hear it is a terrific tool to engage with that customer search here in the process where they can actually text right into the f and person where, again, if there's any questions as it pertains to financing, we're not giving the house away. We're simply a- answering questions and developing a a conversation where, again, we are dropping the walls. We We, we are opening up further conversation of bringing that customer into the dealership to to show different options that would be available to them. But I think if we ignore the fact that that customer is shopping via online and not answering their questions as it pertains to any type of financing, they'll go elsewhere.
4: Uh, they'll
3: go elsewhere. They'll either go to another financing arm or other avenues to be able to obtain that information. So I think if we are proactive in the game and making sure that we're here to answer any questions that they may have sooner rather than later, you're going to see a lot more conversions into the dealership. And I would rather start working with that customer at that particular time rather than having even the customer coming in and landing on the wrong card to begin with anyway.
2: I think I hear a common thread through everybody's conversation here that early intervention and transparency are the name
0: of the game yeah yeah great absolutely absolutely let me throw this question out there and i'll let you know one of you guys take it and i won't direct it necessarily but menu systems are you know our menu systems, this is a question that came in the most effective and if so what are some tips for finance managers when it comes to maximizing the use of the menus somebody want to tackle that
2: there's i mean there's so many different menu systems that are available out there now um yeah, and they run the gamut from being something that's very simple to something that uh, could be very, very complicated and show almost too many um, options for the customer. So
0: let me ask you this. And then the, que- the question that came in on social media, are the menu systems the most effective method, in your opinion, Paul? Uh,
2: you know, I would have to say, yeah, for, for a number of different reasons. Um, the menu's been around for a long time now. And... Um, it's uh, It's been modified a few times over those years, but for issues of compliance uh, and and to be able to present 100% of the product to 100% of the people 100% of the time, it's really probably still the best way to do that. And I don't know if everybody still agrees with that or not. It, that's just my opinion at this point.
0: Jeff, what about hey, you? Paul, what you?
5: I, I'm sorry. Oh, I Justin, just, I'm sorry. I, I think you're, you're right, Paul, but it, the menu is the most important thing, but that menu means absolutely nothing. If you don't do a proper interview and you don't ask the right questions, and oh, one of the things absolutely. I learned to, to AFAS school with Tony D was the, the YTM's, yep. the you-told-mes. Yep. Based on what you told me, Mr. Customer, you're going to keep the car for X years and X miles, and based on what you told me, I don't think that the no-vehicle-protection option is the best option for you. Yep. So you're justifying your offerings and then fully disclosing it, and that's yep. how you become profitable and do it legally. Ethically and professionally agreed, a hundred percent.
0: Let me ask you no, this: Yeah, I, I ahead, agree. Jen. I agree as well. Interview and then you go
3: hand in hand.
0: Is this Rebecca yeah. or Jen? Yeah, I'm
3: sorry,
0: Rebecca. That was okay. You okay. guys sound you guys sound very similar. Um, it, let me <laughs> let me ask you this, Jen. You know, and this is a question where I know you've, you've where you've come from and where you are today. I think you can answer maybe a little more objectively here. But the um, great finance managers, Jen, get stuck in finance because they're so good. That question came in.
3: So, do, so, Let me just make sure I heard that right. So, do good finance managers get stuck in finance because they're so good? Yes. Um, so, I, so I, I, I can. So, I usually say it's, uh, I've seen a lot of different scenarios. Um, I've seen some from a self uh, self selected because of the amount of money they can make. I think you've got to look at it as a career path. Like if you're in a company, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm certainly one of those people that um, kind of came up through the finance world and went on to do other things. So I don't think you necessarily get stuck, but I do think it's still your responsibility to kind of have a career path, have the right discussions. Um, But I've seen some fabulous owners, GMs. um, I've even seen a service manager that came out of the the F and I world. So Uh I think it's on. Just like in any other world, I think it's really important that F and I managers, directors have a career path. They understand the goals that they want to have um, long term, and they look at how this kind of fits into those other areas. But you know, from personal experience, you know, I came and started on the dealership side. I went over to the lender the side. You know, I'm now looking for Equifax. So there is a lot of different career paths you can take. You just got to personally decide what's the best for you and your family, um, and you got to look at what it's going to take to get there. But I think being good at your job just helps you um, get even further. Um, so I, I wouldn't look at that as a negative, um, but definitely you need to be looking out for yourself and be able to articulate at least times right um, what you're looking for long term.
1: That's great. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to because we're almost out of time. We're going to wrap it up with just uh, maybe one minute comment, a closing comment from each of you. And what I'll ask you to do is maybe just one tip, maybe the the one thing that sticks out uh, as, as a tip that you would want to maybe uh, share with dealers or
0: other finance directors and Justin, I'll start with you. And let me say this to Jen and Go Rebecca ahead. as you guys are closing as well, because you're on the vendor side. Mm-hmm. Um, please feel free to tell dealers where they can locate you, how they can find you, um, if they want more information about what you do in your closing remarks as well.
1: Yes, and I, and sure, also, sure. and also, I'd love uh, Jen if you would maybe even share one thing that um, maybe you've seen from the Equifax side that would be really important for dealers that they might be missing out on Uh, i'll start with you justin go ahead
5: you bet i'll tell you the biggest tip is keeping your mind right and always training and working on your craft and attending classes seminars reading listening to tapes getting connected with shows like this getting involved with groups like the ethical f and i managers on facebook there's like three thousand of us in there um pulling the resources you can that's the biggest tip i'd give you keep your mind right have a good attitude and always remember that you're working with people customers salespeople the dealer the managers we're all just people trying to do the same thing which is to sell cars make money and and, and keep it clean um, and if anybody wanted to reach out to me I'm located in beautiful Boulder Colorado it's currently a snowstorm here right now wow. um, but you can call me anytime you want 303. 303- Five seven nine nine one seven one is my cell phone, go to mccadden.com that's M-C-C-A-D-D-O-N, there's a link for me, or you could shoot me an email at jgasman at McCadden.com. that's G-A-S-M-A-N at McCadden.com. and I appreciate you guys having me on the show, it was a real pleasure. Justin,
0: thank you, and we'll go to Rebecca next. And thank you too for having me on the
3: show as well, but I really think that we should do a better job with offering sales training to our sales partners now, financing, getting involved, I'd like to see more sales training on, with, from that as an i person, as an i director, a set curriculum, either once a week or at least minimum twice twice a month. It's funny how often in f and people go, well, you know, this guy can't get this right or they can't do this right or this, that, or the other right. And I really believe that you, you certainly can't expect anyone to get it right unless you provide the appropriate. The Appropriate training. So, I'd like to see set curriculum at least twice a month for sales personnel provided by FNI. And I think it also creates uh, leadership um, and, 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 and synergy and that sort of thing. Now, you can also call me. I provide finance and insurance training and in dealership as well as workshops. I'll have a two day workshop next week, 22nd, uh, 23rd, and 24th, or 22nd, 23rd, it's Wednesday and Thursday at the Atlanta Marriott Perimeter Center in Atlanta, Georgia. And then also I provide in-dealership training. So you can call me if you want at 404-276-4026, or you can go ahead and visit my website at www.shernekconsulting.com. And thank you again.
0: Thank you. And we'll go ahead and go to Paul.
2: Uh, I'm going to agree with everybody else and say that training uh, is probably one of the most important things, uh, especially uh, when you're talking about a finance manager, getting out of the office and getting onto the floor and and doing one-on-ones with salespeople uh, or doing it in a class setting. Um, I would also encourage F&I managers, uh, directors, to also partner with the sales desk and really make it a partnership out of it. Work with those people. Uh, you know, give them information that they can use. Um, and when you're doing your training, you know, set expectations and, and hold people accountable. Those are the most important things.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Jen Reed.
3: Hey, well, you know, have got to agree with everybody on, and um, certainly I think put the customer at the center of your um, process, you know, you would really take care of them part of the job is to really understand what's going on and you be the conduit between you know, the desk, the lenders, um, but really be an advocate for that customer and bring the dimension. You know, don't fall victim to um, the the technology and how easy things have gotten and make sure that, you know, this is a career, so make sure you really are an expert um, at your profession um, in everything that you do. So totally agree with everybody, but I think that those are a couple things that can really help differentiate yourself and. Certainly from some of the things that we've been working on and kind of what I've learned from this side is, you know, we've got to look at some things from a credit report, really understand and get past the score, look at what's on there, um, and start asking questions and get involved early and structure the cut- and tailor the deal to that customer. Um, and there's a lot of different data and different technologies and tools out there. Um, I tell everybody, you know, relook at your process and look at where you maybe get some efficiencies from using those tools and leveraging it. But nothing replaces asking a customer, you know, the question and building those relationships where you can have good, open, transparent conversations. So thanks for having me on again, guys. And you can find me um, at, either on Twitter at Autogen um, or email me at read at com.
0: Guys, thank you so much for joining us today and taking time out of your schedule. We really appreciate the discussion. It's been extremely valuable. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye.
3: Thank you.
0: Thank you all. That's been our Great American Automotive panel brought to you by Jeff Cowan's Pro Talk. We want to thank Paul Lundy. Uh, We want to thank Jen Reed, Justin Gasman and Rebecca Chernick for joining us. Hey, before we go to commercials here, and then obviously you don't want to go anywhere because, listen, we're going to close the show with a bang. We have Laura uh, Madison that's going to be coming on on Lord Laura Drive session. You do not want to miss today's Laura Drive session. A couple of things. Uh, one of the things I want to do, listen, we, we're on a mission today, okay? Cribs and I are on a mission today. We are hosting a virtual workshop. We're appealing to our Auto Dealer Live audience what our goal is today, and we're depending on you to help this and help get out the word. It's Insight. With a serial sales pro, and it's a virtual three-hour virtual workshop. You can go right, right online. You can sit in your underwear if you want to. If you want to do it, you know where you can do it right at your desk. It's it's insights with a serial sales pro. It's myself, Dave Cribs, and Bob Berg. And if you don't know who Bob Berg is, Bob is uh, he he's, he's sold over a half a million. He was on Glenn Beck. Last month, Bob is one of the best salespeople I've ever met, and he is the author of Go Giver and several other best selling books. Mm-hmm. He sold over a half a million go copies of Go Giver alone. Just that one book. Yeah. Just the one book. Correct. So he, the three of us are doing a three hour virtual workshop on insights for the serial sales pro. Here's the thing Here, do, do I qualify? Okay. Well, let me just tell you, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do in a second, and I'm going to ask your help. We want 50 people on the show. To, our goal. It, it, or Cribs and I we're gonna fail. You know, we, we feel like a failure. If we can't get fifty people right now to join us, we already have a great audience plan, but we, we want fifty people on today's show. If you're to help us out and go to it and if because you love us, all right. It's 49 bucks. Here's the deal. I'm gonna tell you right now, it'll it make you a freaking killing on, on on return because we're gonna be talking about Okay, we're going to be t- literally going to be talking about if you want to increase your sales revenue, if you want to make more money, if you want to close more deals, if you want to make if you're making six figures, if you want to if you want to make into the high six figures, if you're not making six figures in sales, if you want to make six figures, it'll increase your income. And if you're in sales, this is for you. Where do I go? I want you to get a piece of paper. Mike's got the website up there, but I want you to add something to the website um, on top of the SerialSalesPro.com slash slash. VW, like, like as in Volkswagen. So www.serialsalespro.com forward slash VW. I'm going to ask you to write that down. I'm going to ask you during the show, man, let us know you love us, all right? Go to it. It's 49 bucks. Put it on your Visa, your MasterCard, and join us. It's May 1st. It's from 3 p.m. Eastern to 6 p.m. Eastern. It may last a little longer, whatever, but, I mean, this is going to be cool. It's going to be casual, and I promise you this, it's, 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 it's some training that that you've not heard. It's some things that's going to help you, and um it's it's helped our salespeople. We have we have salespeople here that have gone through this training. Uh, one of them made almost twenty thousand dollars last month in sales. I mean, this is I'm talking about taking this guy before he started working here. Never has never sold anything. We made twenty grand last month. So it's insights with a serial sales pro, serialsalespro.com forward slash vw. Do me a favor. Go there now before the end of the show, if you would. Let's get 50 people signed up, and uh, I'll tell you what, man, we will do. We, we, we will, we will be, we will love you to death because it just means that you know we've got 50 listeners. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and we'd love you to do it for us, but really, do you should you. do it for you yeah. because
1: you know, at, you know, anytime I consider any type of training that I'm going to purchase, I always look at you know, well, what will I be getting, and how do I think it's going to affect me yeah. from there. And I, I remember when I was selling cars. And we, and, you know, the first couple of times I went to a seminar that seemed like a great deal of money, and it was at the time. But then I, I started breaking it down, and you know, I was like, wow, if I could sell two more deals this month, I would be ahead, and then I have that knowledge forever. And now we're talking about something that's forty nine bucks, not yeah. not you know thousands of dollars. So, uh, you know, if you think about going
0: somewhere to see someone <laughs> of the caliber of Bob Berg... Well, Bob Berg, and, first of all, charges about twenty grand yeah. minimum to come and speak. I mean, the bottom line is it's going to be three hours of in, of intense just greatness, and uh, and so we're going to do it together. Yep. It's um it's going to be it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So go to serialsalespro forward slash vw. Let's get at least fifty in this one. Here's the deal: we're going to shout it to everybody. We're going to send swag to every single person that signs up. will make sure that you get tons of stuff and we'll definitely appreciate it. And you know what? Most importantly, we'll see you there and we'll know, you know, we'll know this, that you're serious about taking your sales to the next level. That I can promise you. And we look forward to seeing us May 1st, but do it now. And I'd love to say that seats are running out, but it's virtual. So really everybody in America can watch (laughs) it. And there'll be
1: some special interactive things going on that day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, listen, you know what? The next up Next up is our commercial break. (laughs) Ah. Hey, man, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. A couple of minutes. We want to thank you to our sponsors. Check this out. We'll be back in two minutes. But you have to get in there and dig, jump in the trenches, and say, I don't care how I feel. The great salespeople will tell you there really are no shortcuts. They made me a monster,
2: and the most valuable gift you have show. to offer is so many myths, and go so they sold for some money and some sponsors. Uh in the youth feeling title. Got the whole world in his feeling suicidal. We all on the brink, but we
0: need to stop and thinking. We need to learn to swim, not to train how to sink. And i feeling are you in sales? You soul, and become the really best. Really at sales? Do you want to become a true serial sales pro? Do you want to make six figures well into the six figures in sales? Do you want to be at the top of your class better than anyone else? Do you want to learn how to close more deals and make more money in sales? Then myself, Dave Cribs, and Bob Berg want to see you May 1st at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time at our virtual workshop, Insights with a Serial Sales Pro. Be there, click now, before it's too late and register.
2: Finish line by the be reacquainted, and I know I need to stop getting agitated. Whatever
4: the world knows.
0: Imagine increasing your referral business by over (laughs) (laughs) 600% or taking a salesperson with only seven months experience and having them self-generate 16 sales in a month. How did they do it? By knowing the 10 factors that determine the real market value of your customers, you too can massively increase referrals while eliminating wasted resources. I'm Jonathan Dawson of Cellcology, and I want to share with you these 10 factors. Go to TheRMV.com. That's t. E-H-E, R is in real, M as in market, V as in value, dot com.
6: I'm Alan Ram, all right. president and founder of Alan Ram's Proactive Training Solutions. Let's face it, good managers are defined not by what they do when they have a showroom full of customers, but more by what they do when there are no customers in the showroom. In 2015, whether you like it or not, the car business is all about conversion of opportunities and driving traffic. Out of good if your dealership is not converting effectively on the telephone and internet. As an owner or dealer, when you see five salespeople standing by the front door doing nothing, don't kid yourself. Your dealership is not being effectively managed. Management by Fire is a two and a half day intensive course conducted entirely by me that teaches managers how to effectively manage in today's automotive industry. Simple processes for driving high quality traffic. For more information on upcoming events, please call my team at 866 996 four six six five once again eight six six nine nine six four six six five thank you
0: yeah yeah yep yep, yep. hey man listen uh <laughs> Don't forget, go to cerealsalespro.com forward slash VW. I've um, already had uh, several people jump on there. We going to thank you for that. Yep. And um, listen, the next up. It's going to get a birthday shout out too, Lord Madison. Come on now. Happy you birthday to you. Happy
2: birthday
4: to you. you. Lord, happy birthday, birthday to dear Laura Madison. Madison, happy,
7: happy birthday, to birthday
4: to you.
0: There you go. That's the best you get. You just got to sing happy freaking birthday you. The next up is Laura Madison, Laura Drives. Check this out, man. It's going to blow you away.
7: Hi, Laura here from lauradrives.com and Alan Ram's Proactive Training Solutions. Thank you for joining me on the Laura Drive segment on Auto Dealer Live. What I wanted to address today was to encourage people specifically to create a personal brand. Now, this is something that a lot of people have heard me speak about for quite a while. I've mentioned it here on Auto Dealer Live and of course it's what I'm probably best known for, for creating a personal brand in the automotive industry. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about why the frick it works. So personal branding is something a lot of car salespeople consider to get them ahead and sell them more cars. And it's a really good idea for two key reasons that I want to cover. The first is that, frankly, people like dealing with
1: people. We seem
7: to have forgotten that that as an industry. And we instead have utilized helium and huge inflatable gorillas and all different kinds of tactics. And we've taken the human element out of it. People want to build a relationship with somebody and they want to deal with a person, especially with such a large purchase. So what I really encourage for people starting out with personal brands is just to start to get out there and specifically start putting your face out there. Whether it's on video or you start sharing it in images or you put your face on your business card if it wasn't already there, it's really important to start to get your face out there. And that brings me to my second reason that personal branding is so effective, and it has to deal actually with the brain. So there's a part of the brain called the fusiform area. It's located near your emotional center, and its total job is to process faces. It starts, it's active, from beginning when we're really, really young and it's extremely active, of course, in any kind of daily interaction. So we want that part of the brain active and we want a face rather than a wacky arm flailing inflatable tube man. We want somebody for the customer to begin to trust and that part of the brain and this philosophy is so key to beginning that trust and beginning that relationship. So that's it. You need to create a personal brand because people like people and we are trained to recognize faces and that's how we're going to begin to build trust and build relationships that are going to win us car deals. So that's what I wanted to impart with you for the Laura Drive segment on Auto Dealer Live. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now get the heck out there and start using your face and creating a personal brand.
1: And we're back. The show where dealers go. Thank you, Laura Madison, for that great segment. And happy birthday again. Yes.
0: How's that? How cool is that? The birthday's on my anniversary. And on Air April Day. April 16th. <laughs> wow. I mean, and on the day of Auto Dealer Live show. The day of Auto Dealer Live. Let me tell you something. How cool is my wife, man? You know, letting me come and do the show on her no, it's pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and that's you're reg- cool. technically you're on vacation right now, but you're working. I'm, I'm working. I'm working, dude. Yeah, I'm working. Mm. Um, Hey, as we're wrapping the show up, I want to tell you, you can leave the music going, Mike, if you want to, man. Here's the deal, man. The next up, you know what it is, really? The next up is we're going to be at freaking Digital Dealer dealer. next week. And you do not, you do not want (laughs) to miss. You know what I'm saying? Next week's show. We're going to be bringing you freaking Periscopes from inside all through. We're going to be there all week um i want to tell you man if you're not registered look we we bought some extra tickets if you're not registered we got some dealers man get a hold of us and you know what we'll take care of you oh wow that's an <laughs> opportunity did i say that out loud listen we're taking listen limited, limited availability Lim- it, well here's the deal limited time you know you need limited you need to time, do it yeah. right away so here's the deal man we're going to be there we're going to be there tuesday and wednesday and then half a day on thursday and uh you know what it's 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 in tampa the convention center um you know what? Hey, listen. If you're gonna be here, come by on Wednesday at ten o'clock, Room Twenty One. I'm gonna be doing a uh, leader be lunch. I'm gonna do a leadership session. Man, I'm so honored and, and to be doing that on Thursday morning, the final keynote. Um, I'm getting to moderate, man. Um, Peter Leary from Google is gonna be on the panel. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna literally moderate. Freaking Google is gonna be there, and you know then uh, uh, Ricky Lopez from uh, Berkshire Hathaway, mm-hmm. you know formerly Vantile Automotive. Uh-huh. Uh, e-commerce, yep. he's going to be there. Matt Kindig. Yep. Um, you know, this is going to be an all-star panel. I get to moderate this. Uh, also, Auto Dealer Live will be there. And here's the cool thing about it, all right? Mm. Live. N- next Thursday, our show will be BDC Boardroom, okay? Get ready to have it all over social media. BDC Boardroom Part 2. It's going to be It's the most anticipated show, period, In in, in my opinion, of the year. And it's going to be off the freaking chain. Now, here's what's cool about it. You're not going to just see people on Skype, but you're literally going to be, there's going to be three cameras and you're going to get to see Alan Ram, Mike Overy, Overy, I think it's called, is pronounced, and then Tom Stuker and Bill Wittenmeyer, literally going to be on a panel with microphones and headsets, cameras on them with an audience of approximately two to 300 people squished in around them, which will be panning in the audience. So the show next week will not only be, it will not be in the studio, it's going to be live from Digital Dealer Floor. And it's off the chain. It's off the chain. Can I see those real quick? Yes, you can. And we're running over, but hey, you know what? It's okay. This is what it is right here, man. This is what it is right here. Heath, you pull it a little closer to the camera there, or pull this, or might pull it over to the camera. That's what it is right there. Next week, live, BDC Boardroom, Auto Dealer Live. It's going to be the show where dealers go, and we'll come into where dealers are next week. That's right. It'll be set up on the floor with a live audience. Don't forget, go to serialsalespro.com forward slash VW, and hopefully we'll see you next week at Digital Dealer. We look forward to seeing you in the virtual workshop. Peace out.